Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Our God, He's awesome. He's worthy of our praise tonight. I'm going to... um, forego towards the end of the service the receiving of the tithe and offering so um, if you are prepared for that just hold on Uh, I want to go right into the word tonight and Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 would be the first place I'd like to visit Acts 10 38 hallelujah hallelujah Acts 10.38 begins by saying how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. God was with him. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. It identifies of Nazareth to point us to the fact that Jesus came as a man, 100% the Son of God, and yet he came 100% a legal human being. He wasn't in a body pretending to be a human. He wasn't posing as a human uh, in a a mask of humanity, but he became a man. He was born a man, and God anointed him. And because of the anointing, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And it says that through the anointing, God was with him. God was with him in that anointing, in that in that deposit of the anointing in that application of the anointing God went with him God was with him and present with him as the works were done Acts chapter 19 in this chapter we see the apostle Paul has finally found the open door that he had been having people pray with him about He went into an open door that only had 12 disciples gathered together there in the city of Ephesus. He had attempted a few chapters previously to enter into this area to get into this place to preach and the Holy Spirit had forbidden him. The Holy Spirit had redirected him and not allowed him at that time to come in the direction that he was coming. And now the Holy Spirit brings him in through the city of Ephesus and he encounters a church that has 12 people. A church that has 12 people. And they weren't even in the full understanding of who Jesus was. They were still gathered together under the teachings of John the Baptist. 
And when the Holy, when when the Paul, when the Apostle Paul came to them, he asked them, "Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed?" And they said, "We didn't know." about the Holy Spirit. And so he said, well, then how are you baptized? And they said, we've been baptized in John's baptism. And then he said, well, John preached about Jesus. And let me tell you about Jesus. And so he preached Jesus to them. And they received Jesus and were baptized in Jesus' name. And they received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and even began to prophesy, just got saved and began to operate in a gift of the Spirit. They began to prophesy, 12 people. And so Paul stays in that group of 12 and he begins to gather others and, uh, and he begins to minister the gospel. It says that he stayed there until there were people, in verse 9 it says they began to dispute him. And so he separated from that place and he took all those disciples, including those 12 he had started with, and began to minister in the school of Tyrannus, which according to uh, uh, history... It was in the center. It was like right along the, the way that everybody came and passed by. It was a very popular place. It was a very well-known place. And it says as a result of him ministering there, he continued, verse 10 of Acts 19, he continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Well, Asia was where he was trying to get to when the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go that way. The Holy Spirit redirected him and said, no, you can't take that direction. He was trying to get to Asia, but by the leading of the Lord, he ends up in a place that because of the positioning that the Lord had placed him in, he was able to reach all that were in that region. Hallelujah. And because he called this an open door. There's another scripture over in Ephesus where he says, I'm going to stay here because the Lord has opened an effectual working door for me. That's the amplified version of that. He's opened an important door, an effectual working door for me. And in this door, it says, he preached until all who were in the region of Asia heard about Jesus. But in that open door, there was also something else that took place. It says here that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Is there a connection between the liberty he had to preach in that place and the liberty he had for the miracles in that place? Is there a connection between the, the open door that he had discovered or that God had led him through to preach this? What is the connection between the preaching of the gospel and the working of the miracles, the power of God on display? What is that connection? Hallelujah. That's what I want us to think about as we look in the scripture tonight because what has been in my spirit, especially for this congregation, is that we're on a fast track. There are some of you, amen. There are some of you who uh, you don't have 15 years, so God is going to give you a fast track uh, uh, download 
on uh, spiritual uh, uh, proficiency. Hearing from God, responding to God, and becoming skilled and stable in that. So we see that it says he wrought special miracles. God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul. And when we also compare that with Acts chapter 10, that God anointed Jesus and God was with him. So God is the miracle worker. God is the miracle worker. God is the miracle worker. He is the God of miracles. He is the God of the supernatural. He is the God who makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. He is the God who can make crooked places straight. He is the God who can turn bones into armies. Hallelujah. He is the God who can uh, turn shame into glory. Hallelujah. So when we, we recognize God is able, we've also got to allow Ephesians 3.20 to establish for us God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think in accordance with, in harmony with, linked together with the power that works in us. Put that up on the screen for me if you would, Ephesians 3.20. According to is a word that is important to understand how that verse is applied to us. According to. If you are to have the, the singer sing a song and part of the team are in the key of A and part of the team are in the key of F, they are not going to be in one accord. It would not be pretty. None of us would enjoy it and they wouldn't enjoy it. Amen? What makes it sound effective and sound beautiful is the accord, according. They are all according to the same verse or chorus, the accord. They're all according to the key of A. They're all according to the key of F. So God is able to do. There's no limit on his side. There's no, there's no restriction on his side. The restriction comes in, in us according to the power that works in us. And if it's his power at work in us, then the two of us together, God working with us, we're unlimited. It's so good to see you. We're unlimited. We're unlimited. And that's what God wants. He wants some unlimited vessels to work through, some vessels who will let his power work in them. Hallelujah. So Jesus... He was anointed, how God anointed, how God anointed, how God anointed. Did Jesus need the anointing? Evidently, because God chose to anoint him. God anointed Jesus, hallelujah, who went about, as a result of that anointing, he went about doing good and healing all. He went about doing good. He went about doing good. The power to do good is in the anointing. The power to do good in people's lives. I'm talking about doing God good things. The good things that come from God. The power to do good and heal comes as a result of God with us. So when we look at this, we recognize that God, He desires to work through His people. John chapter 14 and verse 12. John chapter 14 and 12. Verily I say unto you, verily, verily, oh, excuse me, hey, we don't want to leave a verily out, right? That means, hey, hey, attention, attention, this is really important if you got double verilies. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, truly, truly, I say unto you, without a doubt, I mean this uh, with a very serious intent. I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. The works that I do shall he do also, and greater, greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go to my Father. That's why I'm going to the Father, but I'm delegating the greater works. The word greater means more in quantity. Greater in quantity. Why? Because... As a whole in the body, we've got more time and more interaction than he had in that three and a half years of his ministry. Greater in quantity are the works that you will do because I go to my Father. And then we find out in the very next verse, he says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So it's him doing it through us. It's not us on the responsibility to make any of the miracles happen or the supernatural flows of God happen. He said, you believe and whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Hallelujah. So these greater works, he said, the works that I do, you will do also. The works that I do, you will do also. The works that I do, you will do also. Hallelujah. Jesus went about doing good and healing. Jesus went about causing blinded eyes to see. Jesus went about causing deaf ears to hear. Jesus went about uh, uh, bringing wholeness into people's lives through the power of God. Setting people free from things that the enemy was trying to destroy them with. And he said... These works will you do. These works will you do because I go to my Father. Greater works than these will you do because I go to my Father. So let's see how Jesus did the works. We saw how God anointed him, that God was with him. I want you to look at John chapter 5 and verse 19. Then Jesus answered, answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do. For what things soever He does, these also doeth the Son likewise. The Son can do nothing of Himself. Now, I have to admit to you that when I first began to read statements that Jesus made like that, I thought there was something wrong with my Bible. I mean, what do you mean to tell me there's something Jesus can't do? But Jesus said, the Son can do nothing. He said in another place, I can of my own self do nothing. I can of my own self do nothing. And I thought, how can that be true? He's Jesus. What, how can he say, I can of my own self do nothing? Because he's speaking as a man of God. He's not speaking as the second person of the Godhead from his position as the Son. He's speaking as he was operative as a man. What he did in his ministry, he did to example for you and I how we are to behave ourselves in ministry. 
What he did on the earth is what you can do on the earth. So when you read the stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, please do not identify with Peter. Don't identify with John. Identify with Jesus. Before the cross, you don't look like Peter before the cross. You don't look like John before the cross. You look like Jesus before the cross. You are equipped with everything he had in the earth ministry. Hallelujah. And more because after the cross, he defeated Satan and gave us the victory. So we've got more than Jesus had previous to the cross. We have everything that he had previous plus what he gained through the cross. So we've been given the victory. He, he triumphed openly over all of the powers of the enemy, making a show of them openly, and then he gave us that triumph. So we have the power that he operated in before the cross and the victory that he gained through the cross. That's who we look like. That's who we need to identify ourselves with. We are not Peter who's denying Christ and, and, and putting his foot in his mouth all the time. You know, have mercy on Peter, right? We're, but we're not built like him. We're built like the one who stands up and speaks to the wind and the waves. And the wind and the waves obey him. That's you. That's you. That's you. Why? Because you are alive unto God, just like Jesus was alive unto God. Peter wasn't before the cross. John wasn't before the cross. So before the cross, if you want to see who you look like, look at Jesus. Because you are alive unto God. You have the authority in Jesus' name. You have been given power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen? Amen. Amen. You are the one who is built to dominate here in this planet. Glory to God. So you are also the one who is anointed to carry the power of God to carry and display the power and the goodness of God. So when it says here, I only do, the son can, on, can do nothing of himself, he is talking about his dependence upon God as a man of God. A man alive unto God, a man who is uh, uh, on God's assignment, hallelujah, I can of my own self do nothing. Or as this verse says, the son can do nothing of himself. The son can do nothing of himself. You are a son of God. Amen. Male sons and female sons. You are a son of God. We have received on him, John chapter 1 says, that to whom it receives him, he has given power to become the sons of God. You are a son of God. And the Son of God can of yourself do nothing. Just like the Son Jesus could of himself do nothing, the, the Son Jillian can of herself do nothing. Amen? The Son Melanie can of herself do nothing. The Son Kevin can of himself do nothing. This is the key. He's the vine, we're the branches. The branch can't live without the vine. But in the vine, I can do everything the, the, the vine can do because the same power in the vine is in the branch. The same life in the vine is in the branch. That's what he was saying in John chapter 15 when he's talking about you are the branches, I am the vine. Stay connected to me because with me you can do all things, but without me you can do nothing. 
right? So it's that life in the vine that's flowing in us, allowing us to do the works of God, allowing us to display the goodness of God. So he says the son can of himself do nothing but what he sees the father do. What he sees the father do. For what things soever he does, these also does the son likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that himself does. He shows him. Now, I have benefited by hearing other people describe how God deals with them. You know, as we watch Pastor Steele respond to the Holy Spirit, we can learn by watching how he responds. We can learn by watching because you can see him. He'd be in the middle of the sermon and, and you think he's going in one direction and he thinks he's going in that direction. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks something to him and he stops and he responds. He stops and whether it's uh, uh, praying for someone or giving someone a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, whenever that prompting, that dealing comes, he responds and it shifts the whole atmosphere of the service. It changes the whole atmosphere. You know, it's possible to ignore that. It's possible for a person to just override that dealing and go on with their plan. And having done it, let me tell you, it's not fun. It's not fun to be out there trying to finish the service in your own power. It's not fun. And, and there have been times that I just, Lord, I blew it. I, I knew you were prompting me to change that. I knew you were prompting me to shift and go in that other direction. And I, I didn't see how it would work. But you know, when, and because usually he doesn't tell you much more beyond the next step. You know, one day I was ministering and I was in the middle of a sentence and I was prompted to go down the side aisle and to minister to a woman who was uh, on the, the, the side of the, the, the sanctuary. And that's all I had, just walk back there. I didn't have anything. I, I just saw, walk back there to that woman. That's all I heard. That's all I had prompting in my spirit. I thought, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? He's showing me something. He's showing me, and I have to respond in faith for him to give me any more. Notice he says, the Father shows him all things that himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So the Father is showing him what to do. He's showing him step by step. Why is it that Jesus didn't heal every man at the pool of Bethesda? Every, every sick person at the pool of Bethesda. He only went to one. Why didn't he have a pool of Bethesda healing service and just heal them all? Because God didn't show him that. God didn't lead him to do that. God led him to the one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that when I responded and I just walked back to that person, when I got to her and asked if I could pray for her, God told me what to do next. And then from that point, I went 
to other people and ministered to other people. But if I had never responded to the first, I would never have gotten the rest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not dramatic. God does not want to have to deal with us dramatically. He doesn't want it to have to be drastic or spectacular. One day, Pastor and I were at a Walmart. This was years ago. We were at a Walmart, and he was about to get into the car, and the Lord prompted him. He got out and stopped a man who was in the parking lot and prayed with the man right there in the parking lot and ministered to him, and it was, uh, it was supernatural how God spoke to him threw him to that man, and that man needed exactly what it was. It was one of those supernatural things. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute. We're, over here. We're in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> what are you doing? But that responding, that responding, it wasn't dramatic. It wasn't spectacular. It wasn't lights and angels and goosebumps. It was a prompting. And the Lord wants us to be sensitive to the dealings, sensitive to the promptings, sensitive so that he doesn't have to tell us 15 times and convince us and, and make the wool wet and the ground around it dry and the ground wet and the wool dry, right? He doesn't want to have to go through all of these hoops to prove to us that it's him dealing with us. He wants us to learn how to trust him and respond. And he'll do that by showing us things. He'll do that by showing us. Jesus said the Father showed him things to do. The Father showed him what he did. The Father shows him all things that he does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the Son quickens whom he will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So evidently we know what the Father had been talking to him about. Praise God. Praise God. John chapter 17 and verse 21. Actually, let me stop at 1038 first. John 1038. And Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world. That's sorry, that's not what I want. That's 938, 1038 is what I want. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. Believe the works because the works are evidence that the Father is in me and that I am in Him. The works will speak. The works testify. The works are confirming that God is in me and I am in Him. So we saw that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. We saw that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all because God was with him. We saw that the Son can of him, himself do nothing, but the Father shows him what to do. And now we see that the works are confirming testimony and evidence that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. Now go to John 17, 21. Hallelujah. 
that they may all that they all may be one. This is the prayer that Jesus is praying, and it's not just for the disciples who were alive in that day, but he even indicated it's for all of us who believe on him through what they have preached. So this is a prayer for you and for me. Jesus has prayed for us already. And it says here in verse 21 that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, if the, the works that Jesus did were evidence that he was in the Father and the Father was in him, and then he said that they would be in us the same way I have been in you so that the world may believe, then there will be a testifying, there will be a witness, there will be a confirmation that God is in us by the works of God being done through us. You are a Christian. Do you know Christian wasn't something that they tagged themselves with? They actually, the people in Antioch began to to make fun and ridicule Oh, those Christians. It was something that was meant to be uh, kind of funny. That they, oh, look at them. They are acting like Christ. Those little Christians. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They didn't know you're exactly right. Hey, call me that again. Why? Because the word Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. You little anointed ones. You anointed ones with the anointing of God. Hallelujah. Why? Because they were going about doing the works of Jesus and God was confirming that he was with them. I want to show you that here in the scripture. Uh, We'll get to that. Let's go first to Matthew 28 and let's see Jesus' commission to all of us. This applies to you. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto me in heaven. That word power is the word authority, the right to control or govern. It is the word exousia. And so the authority had been given to him because he was given a name that is above every name. Hallelujah. Go ye therefore. Therefore meaning because all authority has been given unto me. I am delegating you in my authority. You go as a result of me receiving the authority. You go and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Ghost. Go teach, baptize, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you. I am with you. Well, Jesus said, believe the works because they're evidence that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. I am now with you because authority has been granted to me. I'm with you. If you go in my name, I'm with you. If you go in my name, I'm with you. Hallelujah. He's with us. He's with us. 
Now, in Mark 16, we also see the Great Commission recorded. Mark chapter 16, 15 gives a little bit different detail. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if any deadly thing, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All of those are supernatural. All of those are supernatural. These signs shall follow. These signs shall follow. Believe me for the work's sake. Believe the works. Because their evidence, their testimony, they are, are witnesses. The works are witnesses that God is with me. These signs shall follow them that believe. It didn't say them that preach in the pulpit. It didn't say the fivefold ministry gifts. The pastor, the, the evangelist, the teacher, the prophet, the apostle. It didn't say that. It said them that believe. Them that believe. Them that believe. Them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. Verse 19 so then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Now we know what happened in that door that he had opened for Paul in Ephesus that he could preach the gospel and the gospel was heard by all of them who lived in Asia. Hallelujah. That he was daily disputing. The word was being preached and the Lord was working with him and confirming the word. The Lord works with the preached word. Not the preached behind the pulpit word, but the word that you preach when you testify to your co-worker about how God set you free, about how God showed you how the, the, his, his mercy, about how God has, has helped you uh, restore your family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not just talking about what takes place in the church behind the pulpit. This is not where the... Um, going into all the world is taking place. This is where you come and we pass out bullets. We, we load you up. So that you can go out into your world every day. Into your job place. Into your family. Into your community. And you can be the light shining in the darkness. You can be on display for the goodness of God. Hallelujah. You come here and we, we teach you. We we. Uh, edify you. This is the place where the sheep come to receive sheep food. Hallelujah. And then you have, have that strength to go out and to believe. 
to believe, and these signs follow them that believe. They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. This is a scripture that uh, I've been uh, looking at from the aspect of praying. Uh, in chapter 4, they came together and prayed corporately as a, a church, a body of believers. And uh, God responded the two things that they prayed. Number one, they prayed for boldness, that God would give them boldness. And number two, they prayed that the Lord would stretch forth his hand to heal, that signs and wonders would be done in the name of Jesus. And Acts chapter 5 is the result of that prayer. Verse 12, it says, By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitude both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Hallelujah. So Peter wasn't even having to lay hands on them, but he would just walk by and the proximity of the anointing, they would receive their healing. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were... Healed everyone. Why? Because the Lord was working with and confirming his word. The Lord, God wrought special miracles. How God anointed Jesus. God was with him. God's the one. God's the one doing it. God's the one. We're just his instruments. We're just instruments in the hands of God. Hallelujah. Living instruments. Living instruments in God's hands to, to preach the word. And then he takes that preached word and he confirms it with signs and wonders. We just believe and these signs follow. Hallelujah. Why? Because we're, we're believing in his ability to move in that situation. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2 and verse, I'm sorry, Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hebrews 2. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great of a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? Now, I want to stop right here. Remember in chapter 1, we read from chapter 1 this morning, in the last days, or in the, in the, in the beginning, God spoke to his people through the prophets, but in these last days, he speaks to us by his Son. Is that what chapter 1 started out saying? In the last days he's spoken to us by his son. Verse 2. In these last days spoken unto us by his son. Hallelujah. So in the Old Testament, God spoke through prophets, 
But here in this new covenant, Jesus came and preached. Amen? And so he said, now he's going back to that, that division between what, how God spoke in the old and how God speaks in the new covenant. And he said, now, if the, if the word that was delivered under the old, the word that was delivered by the angels and by the prophets in the Old Testament, if it had a just recompense for, for not acting on that word or for not lining up with that word, how will we escape if we neglect this salvation that has been preached to us in Christ? The salvation of believe on the Lord and you shall be saved. The salvation of call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall be saved. How will we escape if we neglect that? How can we escape if we neglect the salvation in Christ, right? And then it says, concerning this gospel, the gospel, the good news, the power of God unto salvation, the gospel, concerning this gospel, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. So it continued in the preaching through Peter, through John, through Paul, who the Lord visited and dealt with him specifically, confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with different miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So now we have three scriptures testifying to us that when the gospel is preached, God responds to the preaching of the gospel with signs and wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. And he considers it a testimony, a testifying, a witness, evidence that he's with them. Evidence that he's with them. Hallelujah. Acts 14, 3. Long time therefore abode they, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. They stayed there and preached it boldly. There's that boldness again. They stayed preaching boldly and God responded by testifying to his word by granting signs and wonders. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the plan. And this is what we need to expect. This is what we need to expect. Not just in our church services, but in our lives. At the grocery store. At the convenience store. In your college class. Hallelujah. Unless you're online and then you're kind of, yeah. <laughs> but this is the plan of God. 
that when we make a declaration, when we tell somebody what God will do for them, God's going to respond. God's going to be right there with us, confirming the word that we preach, confirming it by ministering His power through what we told them God will do, through how we told them God will respond. Hallelujah. That's how God works with us. He, he works the special miracles. Now, there was a desire in the church at Corinth. And I want to look at chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. When, when you read through, especially in 1 Corinthians, you will see a lot of correction. And we love correction. We embrace correction. We want God to correct us if we're off. We want Him to correct us if we are out of line, if we are, are just aiming at the wrong thing. We want Him to help us readjust our scope so that we are aiming correctly. And they had a desire for the things of God in the church at Corinth. But they were lacking the spiritual maturity and the right motive. And so this correction that we're going to read, I want us to see... First of all, the correction, and then I want us to see what we can receive from that if it's not being brought from that point of correction, because it is truth in its application, and he was dealing with them to help them adjust some things that needed to be adjusted. So in chapter 12, verse 1, now concerning spiritual brethren... Concerning spiritual gifts, the word gifts is in italics. Concerning spiritual, spiritual things, spiritual gifts, spiritual manifestations, spiritual flows. Concerning how the spiritual flow is supposed to go. Notice he says brethren. So we know he, this is talking to people who are saved. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you lacking knowledge. I would not have you to be ignorant. That word ignorant means lacking knowledge. I don't want you to lack knowledge about spiritual things. The Holy Spirit does not want us to lack knowledge about spiritual things. He wants us to know the moving of His Spirit. He wants us to know the prompting of His Spirit. He wants us to know the voice of His Spirit. He wants us to be spiritually aware of what's, what's fake, what's hype, what's emotionalism, and what's Him. He wants us to be able to know the difference. There was a woman who... Uh, there was actually a pastor that Brother Hagen had, had acquaintance with, and this pastor said, I took my church, my Bible study, over to see this man who was doing a seminar, and he was, had an ongoing seminar, and he said, we went over to be a part of that Bible study, and the first two or three services, they were good. I could follow along. I could see it in the Bible. But he said, about the third or fourth time we went, he got way out, away from the Bible. And, and the pastor went to the man and said, what you're preaching is not in the Word. And the man, said, the man looked at the Bible and said, oh, I'm far beyond that. And so the pastor said, I told my church that I had, the, my Bible study that I had brought to that, 
I told them we need to get out of this because he's preaching things that are not in the Bible. But there was a large percentage of his Bible study that went with it and decided to stay. And he lost them to that error. In that group, there was a woman who had been raised as a Buddhist. Her family and her had come over from China. They had, had come and they had a huge Buddha statue in their home. They had, uh, they had been in, in that, in that uh, they had been Buddhist all of her life until she received Jesus. And she had not been in Christianity very long. But she said, the first night I went to that Bible study, she was in that Bible study with the rest of them. She said, I went the first night and right here, the Spirit of God dealt with me, this is not right. And she didn't go back. Now here he's got other people who had been in church, in Christian church longer. And here's this young woman, young convert, who had not been in Christianity very long, who recognized God tell her, this is not right. There's, not, there's something just not right about what he's saying. And she was safe and the others were not. Hallelujah. Why? Because she was able to respond. She responded. I, I believe that God probably dealt with the others. Because he's faithful. He's faithful. But there are, are a lot of things that we hear that seem, they seem cutting edge. And they seem so deep. And they seem so, so it, it, you know, Pastor Nancy Dufresne made the statement. She said, if the, the enemy will promote error, you can see things and it can be error, but you can say, but look how big their church is and look how big their ministry is and look, they're on nationwide television. Does that mean it's of God? Is, is, that, is that what we judge things? That if somebody has enough money to get on nationwide television, does that mean that it's accurate? No. We've, that's why we've got to allow the Holy Spirit's voice to be so, so clear in our lives, that's how you are not deceived. The enemy is a master at deception. But the Holy Spirit is a master at opening the eyes. And if we become more intimate with him, then we won't be deceived. That's how we guard against the deception is we say, stay so close to the real. You know, if you are in the banking industry, and, and Carrie worked for some times at a bank, she may be able to confirm this, but I've been told that when they bring bank tellers in, that in order for them to teach them how to recognize a counterfeit, they make them acquainted with the real bill. They don't bring in all the counterfeits and say, well, this is a counterfeit, feel it, look at it. This is a counterfeit, feel it, look at it. No, they hand them the real $100 bills and say, this is what a real $100 bill feels like. Feel it, look at it, look at the detail, look at how this 
certain uh, 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 drawing is. Look at how this certain stamp says. And, and acquaint yourself with the authentic. Acquaint yourself with the authentic. And then if something that's not real comes through your hands, you'll say, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't, and, and that's how we should, anything that we're hearing... It should, especially outside of the safety of our church home, because in our church home we have that safety. We know our pastor. We know the one who's feeding us. We know the place God has planted us. But if I'm hearing something outside of that, I want to know, does that feel right? Does, does that look right? Does that seem right? You know, Luke said he wrote the book of Luke because it seemed good. It seemed good. That's how he described the leading of the Lord. That's how he described God leading him to write the book that we refer to as the, as the book of Luke. It seemed good to me. We need to know how spiritual things seem good. We need to recognize if it seems good to my spirit and notice the difference between what seems good to my spirit and what, what seems like what everybody else is doing or seems like what everybody else is listening to or what, what everybody else is studying. Hallelujah. What seems good spiritually, it's different. It's different than just going with the flow or doing what's popular or doing what is being promoted at the time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you lacking knowledge. I would not have you lacking knowledge in this area. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. They had a lot of idolatry in that city. A lot of uh, worshiping of idols and statues. And so he clarifies here in verses 3, 2 and 3, uh, identifying that it's the, through and speaking by the Spirit of God uh, that we say Jesus is Lord. And then he goes back to helping them to be aware of spiritual things. He says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. Our God is a variegated God. He is very, uh, um, he has many different ways. Hallelujah. The operation of the prophet is different than the operation of a teacher. And if a person is set themselves to only receive from teaching, then they limit the office of the prophet by being able to minister to them. Brother Keith Moore used to travel with Brother Hagin, and he said, I would notice that when I went into churches that wanted to receive from him as a teacher, they considered him a teacher, that he would operate in the teaching gift. But those churches that recognized the office of the prophet and they would receive him as the office of the prophet that he would immediately step into that office. Not 
not based on the man or his office, but based on what was being received. That he was limited in how he, he, could not, he could not override what the people would receive. He could not force upon them what he wanted to operate in or even what the Spirit of God wanted him to operate in if they were not receptive to it. So those who had learned by the following the Spirit how to receive from the office of the prophet, how to position themselves spiritually to receive from the office of the prophet when, he, when they were in those settings that even before the worship was over, he would step up and begin to operate from that office. Hallelujah. Annie Durant was a woman who traveled with him in the Rama Singers and Band. She was in that original uh, group, I believe back in the late 70s, early 80s, and they, her and her husband actually met. He was on, uh, on Kevin Durant, not the basketball player. Uh, he was uh, on the musicians, uh, on the band side, and she was one of the singers. Uh, and she said, you know, she traveled with him all those years. And even after she had left from his ministry, uh, they were in Alabama at Pastor Webb's church, and Brother Hagen would come there. And so she said, we were off the road, and he was having a meeting there, and of course we're going to be there with it, uh, with the meeting. And she said, I was in the service, and he's, he's telling stories she has heard multiple times. She's, she's hearing him uh, and, and responding, and she said, you know, all of the people in the crowd were getting more than I was getting. That they would, they were responding and they were getting something. And she said, you know, they were jumping up when he would jump up and they would shout and they would get, and she was thinking, you know, she's just sitting back watching. And she said, Lord, I'm not getting what they're getting. He said, you're not responding the way they're responding. And she said, I'd been with him all those years. And somewhere along the way, I forgot. And she said, so the Lord dealt with her. Every time he shouts, you shout. If he jumps up, you jump up. If he, so she started following what he was doing. And if he responded a certain way, she would respond with him. And she said in her very next meeting, she recognized that the flow that was operating in him was operating in her in a different way. She said, I began to minister in a way that I had not had in my ministry for a long time. Where did she get it? By responding in that atmosphere, responding to his ministering, responding because when that minister is responding to the spirit and you know, we are really at an advantage. We really have an advantage because we have been raised with the, our pastor operates. He is in the office of a pastor, but he also operates in the office of a prophet. And we, are, unlike a lot of churches, we've been kind of uh, uh, trained in how to flow with him, how to respond just by being in the services and seeing how the Spirit of God will move. That we don't put our brakes on. We don't say, wait a minute, he needs to finish that topic before we move on to anything. No, we just like, we go. We, we just go with the prophet, right? 
A lot of churches don't have that training. A lot of churches don't have that because maybe their pastor doesn't operate in that other office or maybe he hasn't learned. You know, Pastor Steele, his parents were in the ministry. He grew up in the ministry. He grew up, I mean, from, from birth in, in the flow of the Holy Spirit. He said, I was in meetings where I saw people get up out of wheelchairs. I mean, it was the last of that healing revival. He said, I was in meetings where I saw supernatural things happen, where I saw people's eyes opened. He's been in meetings, he's been around that, and he thinks it's just natural. He doesn't know. There are a lot of people who have church with none of that. <laughs> there are a lot of people who have church a lot, with a lot less of that flow of, that, of the Spirit. So we've been conditioned, if you will, or trained. And let me go a step further. It's not for you just to watch it and enjoy it. It's for you to learn and to follow. It's for you to learn and to follow. This is, this is training for us. This is for us to know what to do. <laughs> this is for us to know this is how, the, this is how it feels when the power of God moves in, in a way like this. Hallelujah. And the way that we respond is important. So he says there are differences of the gifts, but it's still the Spirit of God. There are different ways of administration, but it's still the Lord. There are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which works all in all. Differences in operation, the way the, the Spirit moves in, in one person's ministry may differ. You know, when Pastor Caldwell... He can stand here and not ever move from behind the platform. And the anointing uh, uh, from the office that he has stood in for so many years, I mean, he just preaches and I feel safe. I just feel safe. He just sets things in a, such a stable way. And that, that's the anointing. That's the difference. But it doesn't make a more demonstrative ministry more valuable it doesn't make a more demonstrative meaning exciting, shouting, singing, jumping, loud. It doesn't make that one better in any way. It's the Lord in both. It would be inappropriate of us to say that the Lord... It, let's say, for instance, we take a service where we have good, strong teaching. And in that service, that teaching gift is in operation and people are getting answers. Like last night at ladies' meeting. I mean, it was, it, we didn't have music, we didn't have refreshments, we didn't have, have a prayer line. But, but I, how many, did y'all get something that will, will you, could, you walked out of here applying it. I had so many people telling me I needed that. We, we talked about how to have faith for our family to be saved. And it was, there was a, a flow of the Holy Ghost. It was strong, but it wasn't in outward manifestation. It was in a teaching. It was in answers coming. It was in lights coming on. It was like, I can put that to work right now. That's what I needed. That is just as much the Holy Spirit as one of those meetings where we're bouncing and jumping. And we can't, it would be inappropriate for us to say, this one's better than this one. Because it's him. It's him. 
And we need to know if he wants to sit me down and teach me, I'm just as good with that as if he wants to, to, to have me so full of joy that I'm rolling on the floor. I'm good with either way. Whatever the Holy Spirit wants, he knows what I need in that service. So even though it's a different operation, even though it's a different operation when Pastor uh, Jim ministers, Pastor Ron ministers, Pastor Steele ministers, Pastor Michelle ministers, it's still the Holy Spirit speaking to us through the, the people that God has assigned and that the pastor has assigned. It's still the Holy Spirit. And so we need to be mature not to say, well, I'm going to come when so-and-so preaches. No, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who is the one ministering to us. He's the one speaking. So do you see the differences in administration? It's still the same God. The manifestation of the Spirit, verse 7, is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Every man meaning believers, because remember verse 1, brethren, brethren, brethren. So the manifestation of the Spirit is not given to the unsaved to profit with all, but he's talking about saved people. And this phrase, to profit with all, means to have something to give. Yes, there is personal profit. There is profit that the church family is going to receive as the Spirit of God manifests. But He has given to every man so that we have something to bring. Amen? Amen. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To one. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith, that's not the faith that comes by hearing the word, that's the gift of faith, the operation of a supernatural gift. Every one of these that we're going to read are supernatural operations of the Spirit of God. The word of wisdom is not the same wisdom that we can ask of God and He will apply liberally. It is not the same wisdom that is Jesus has made unto us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. It is the word of wisdom and it is going to speak of something in the future plan or wisdom of God. And so it would be things that would talk about things that haven't happened yet. For instance, Jesus gave a word of wisdom when he said, throw your net over onto the other side. When he said, go fishing and you're going to find a coin in the mouth of that first fish. When he said, you're going to find a donkey that's never been ridden and tell the man that the master has need of him. Hallelujah. Those were things. But then when he looked at the woman at the well and he said, uh, you've had this many husbands and the man you're living with even now is not your husband. That was a word of knowledge. That was a word of knowledge. He was telling her about something presently happening in her life. How did he do that? See, now this is why if you think he just did that because he's the son of God, well, you're a son of God, anointed by God the same way he was anointed by God. Remember, we look like he looked before the cross. So Jesus, how God anointed him with the Holy Ghost, how God anointed him with the Holy Ghost, how God anointed, these are gifts of the Spirit. These are not our gifts, they're his gifts. He operates them as He wills, through us. 
For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith, that's the gift of faith, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. That's the only one that's plural, gifts of healing. Brother Hagen said that he found that there were certain things that when he prayed for people, they were healed. And there were other things that if his wife prayed for them, that they would have a greater uh, uh, success in receiving their healing. Because there were gifts of healings in him and different gifts in her. Like I think he said that uh, certain cancers that when she would pray for them, uh, ear problems, different things, that he would say, go and let my wife pray for you. Hallelujah. Gifts of healings. Uh, to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. Hallelujah. All of these are supernatural. All of these are not talking about the natural faith or the natural speaking, I say, speaking in tongues for the private devotion of the believer. This is talking about tongues in the service, interpretation of tongues in the service. Hallelujah. All these work by the Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. So now we know we can believe for more than one. <clears throat> Hallelujah. He goes through this to this church. Now remember, this church had a zeal. They wanted to be doing and operating in the works of God. They wanted to have the power of God in operation. But then he says, let me show you a more excellent way. And he goes through all of chapter 13. What's 1 Corinthians 13 about? The love of God. And he begins that chapter by saying, even if I have faith that could move mountains, even if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, now he's referring back to those gifts. He's referring back to the power displayed by the Holy Spirit in these spiritual gifts. And he says, even if I operate in all of those, we're not intimidated by children. Amen. We want them. They're under the word. They're getting it. Amen. Hallelujah. Even if I have all of this manifestation of God's power, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. He said three things I want to show us before we close here in chapter 13, verse 1. The first thing he said, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Both of those are meant to indicate an obnoxious sound. When I was younger, there was a show called The Gong Show. Anybody remember The Gong Show? You remember The Gong Show? Yeah. And, and what ha it was kind of like America's Got Talent. And they, they, it was really kind of like that because they had a panel of judges and people would get up and do their talent show. And if they didn't like it, they would all go grab the gong and they always made a big hilarious thing about grabbing that gong and gong, right? That's what this reminds me of. The, the sounding brass. If I speak with this supernatural, this, this power of God, if I do it without love, 
then my voice has become ineffective. It doesn't matter what I say if I don't have the foundation of love. And so what he was dealing with in the church of Corinth is they wanted the power, they wanted the supernatural, but they didn't have the foundation to be effective with it. And so he says, verse 2, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, if I don't have love, I am nothing. If I don't have love, I am nothing. Why? Because love is what gives our ministry value. That's what gives substance to the ministry. The reason for the gifts should be love. The reason we desire to work the works of God, love should be the reason. Love should be the motive. If love is the reason we want to be used by God, we're safe. And He can use us long term. If you want longevity in your, your ministry for God, make love your reason. He says in verse 3, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Why? Because love is what causes my sacrifice to be profitable. So three things. Love is what makes my voice effective. Love is what makes substance in my ministry, what gives my ministry substance. And love is what causes my sacrifice to profit, to be profitable to me and to other people. I've known people... I have witnessed people want ministry so they could be recognized or want ministry so they could feel important or want ministry so they could be validated. And the problem with that is love isn't the foundation. And what they usually end up with is, is burnout because there's no power supply. Faith works by love, and they're trying to do it all in themselves if they don't have love. So they, they usually end up with burnout, or they usually end up with something of a failure that they end up blaming on, on they say, my marriage failed because of the ministry. The ministry never takes away. Doing what God has called us to do is never at fault. Amen? Amen? What, what, what happens is if the foundation isn't there, if the right motive isn't there, then we're going to be off. And it will look like it failed for this reason or for whatever reason, but the real reason was there was the foundation of love wasn't established. So he, he stops them in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, which both talk about the supernatural activity of God. And he said, the importance of the supernatural has to have its grounding in love. Because if your motive... In chapter 14, he deals with, you've got to be doing this to edify the church. 
You've got to love your fellow brother and sister. Yes, we want prophecy. Yes, we want tongues. Yes, we want interpretation of tongues. But it needs to be for the edifying of the body. It needs to be because you love your brothers and sisters in Christ and you want them to be strengthened. If that isn't the reason, then it's a sounding brass gong and a tinkling cymbal. Amen? Father, we desire longevity in your plan. As a church family, we desire the unity whereupon which you command the blessing, where the anointing flows like the dew from Mount Hermon. Father, we desire accuracy that we would approve those things which are excellent spiritually excellent, that we would have accuracy, that we would develop love as our motive and our momentum so that our ministry glorifies you. That everything we do in our personal lives, our ministry to our family, our ministry uh, in the workplace, our ministry in whatever capacity, that your love has the your love is the reason that we do what we do and we ask it in Jesus name amen